Hi, and welcome to Technically Speaking, a podcast where scientists and engineers come together to chat about a common interest, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Amina, and in this episode, I'm joined by Laura, Cara and Antonia to talk about nuclear waste and to offer our viewpoints on how it can be managed. So to start off with, I'm going to pick on Cara. Why do you care about nuclear waste? So I care about nuclear waste because I spent quite a few years doing research around the social value of um, nuclear decommissioning, which is the end of life of nuclear power plants. And obviously a big part of that is what happens to the nuclear waste that comes out of those power plants, um, especially ones which, which have been around for decades now. They've been producing waste for a long time. So we want to make sure that um, we have a plan for where that goes to. But the people who I speak to in the industry who are talking about the nuclear waste and what they plan to do with it have spoken about creating a geological disposal facility and finding a community for that in the UK. And they've said, actually, it'll probably be before, um, not before they've retired in their current jobs, that they'll even see where the site will be and waste will start going into the ground. That might be kind of exaggerating slightly, but that's kind of how they see things for some of the older people who've been working in this for a long time. This is something which is like really, really long term. And we need to kind of really think about how what we do today is going to affect generations in the future. Um, so it is a real intergenerational issue with lots of social impacts that come out of it. So that's, yeah, I really see the people involved with this as something really interesting. Yeah, that's a really interesting point of view because um, not all industries have something like that, which affects multi-generation. So it's, it's, it's an important point to raise. Um, and Laura, why do you care about nuclear waste? For me, I mean, I've been sort of working with it one way or another for over 10 years now, and it's quite an interesting topic. Um, it's also not that well understood, I guess, because it doesn't really come out in the media all that much. A lot of people don't really know what it is. I mean, I was reading an article just yesterday where it started off with draw me a picture of nuclear waste. And I think the inference was that very few people can, because very few people are familiar with it. And I thought that that is actually spot on. I mean, I'm not even sure that I could entirely draw a very good picture of nuclear waste because you never really get to just like physically handle it and pick it up and do anything with it. It's always like it's it's this remote thing that doesn't really feature in people's lives all that much. And it it includes a lot of different types of things. So I guess it's it's one of those things that you can't just pinpoint and say this is nuclear waste. There's so many forms of nuclear waste. Antonia, why do you care about nuclear waste? So I'm been looking at um, sort of the electricity system in the UK and seeing what sort of feasible um, from an environmental point of view in the future. So, you know, as we go towards low carbon, we've got to use more renewables and, you know, some particularly environmentalists uh, like Greenpeace might have um, campaigned against nuclear in the past. And so, you know, looking at environmental impacts on a sort of life cycle basis, does it sort of hold water in the kind of fact-based if we could quantify the environmental impact. So from my point of view, you know, knowing how the nuclear waste might um, contribute to nuclear's environmental impact might sort of make or break it as a future um, energy source. Yeah, definitely. That's a really interesting point of view. So we have three very varied sort of point of view here. We now know that why everyone's interested in it. So how about we find out more what nuclear waste is? And Laura, would you be the best person for that? Yeah, I can I can give you my perspective on it. Um, I guess it's worth pointing out that nuclear waste could be considered as anything that comes from a nuclear license site. But it's quite important to realise that not all of the waste that comes from a nuclear site is radioactive, which is usually the main hazard that we associate with nuclear. So some of the waste that comes from a nuclear site comes from places like the canteen or just offices where... 
people do printing and filing and whatever else. Uh, and there are also examples like the mud that was removed from Hinkley Point C while it was being constructed, which made the headlines because um, it was um, being disposed of in uh, just offshore. Um, but none of it was radioactive, so it could be handled in the same way as general waste. That's interesting. So when we talk about nuclear waste, is it better to talk about radioactive waste then? Yeah, that's the, the general consensus uh, from um, the regulatory point of view, certainly. Um, I think it's also helpful to look at the history of the nuclear industry, which helps put it in context. The UK has a relatively long nuclear heritage. We were the first nation to produce electricity from a nuclear power station on an industrial scale. And that was in 1956. So, uh, well, certainly longer than I've been alive anyway, so quite a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> since then, we've built around 20 power stations and roughly 20% of our electricity comes from nuclear power today. Um, and the, the nuclear industry is predicted to generate just over 5 million tonnes of radioactive waste over its entire lifetime. And most of that is from the historic operations over the previous 60 years or so. And that amount's quite tiny when you consider that UK households and businesses generate just over 5 million tonnes of hazardous waste every single year. And that the total amount of waste generated in, by the UK in a single year is uh, 221 million tonnes. Wow. And of that, about 27 million tonnes came from just UK households. So even though there's a much smaller amount of radioactive waste generated, it needs to be managed in a different way to general waste, which I guess is quite an important distinction. Yeah, that's a very important distinction, because I don't think everyone would perhaps think of it that way. Um, And it's, it's really interesting how you're saying how much waste is produced outside of that. And the comparison is just it's staggering, really how much is actually radioactive then. So how is radioactive waste managed then? It's kept separate from other types of waste. Um, So it's usually monitored to decide if it is radioactive below um, or above background levels of radiation, I should say. Um, It's usually encapsulated in some form of grout or turned into glass, which makes it easier to handle by fixing lots of small items or liquids into a large solid block. It's uh, also usually kept behind some sort of shielding to protect us from the radiation. Uh, And like most waste, as Cara mentioned, the plan is to dispose of it responsibly in an underground or geological uh, disposal facility. Uh, And right now it's up to communities to come forward that would be interested in hosting such a facility. So it's a very well thought out process of how these things need to proceed, I guess. Perhaps on the surface of it, it doesn't really show how, how much thought is sort of gone into all of this. The waste management facility and everything will get considered in safety case sort of analysis which is like right at the very beginning before even anything even happens and I wonder if people think that it comes as an afterthought like oh we've produced all this radioactive waste now now how are we going to manage it's really not like that like it's the other way around okay cool so radioactive waste is managed really carefully but how do you think that this would affect your community? So say if this was coming into your community, what do you think their concerns would be, Cara? Oh, I don't know, Laura, you've just said you've packed like loads of numbers into like quite a, like a short piece of time in a really interesting way. So you're making me think about this quite a lot. So that was really helpful. Thank you. And it's making me kind of get like super philosophical about this. And I guess it's like as a community, what do we mean by waste? You know, what do we define as waste? And it's like interesting to say that in the 50s, like we didn't consider radioactive waste in the same way. So in 50 years time, will we again, in 200 years time, how will we redefine it? 50 years ago, we didn't really recycle anything. So 
and now we do recycle stuff so what we call and then moving forward with the whole circular economy idea like nothing should even be going to waste at all so how do we start recycling or repurposing that so i don't know there's just so many questions around what we define as waste so from me talking about the social perspective in terms of a community wanting to kind of consider bringing this into like their area i, I i've heard it mentioned before that a, a, a huge challenge of this is how do you communicate what's underground to somebody in 600 years time Will you use floppy disks? Will you print it on paper? Will you have like a yellow sign outside? And by calling it something, will it mean the same thing in 600 years time? So to me, that's a really big thing is like, how can you tell me you're going to communicate what's buried underneath my house to my great grandkids? <laughs> that sounds, it, it starts to get very philosophical in a way, but that's, it's actually a very valid thing. And actually up on, is it called nu the Nucleus Archive? which is where they built the big archive up in the very north coast of Scotland, where they're moving all the archive documents from all nuclear sites as well as other sites around the UK um, to store them in a really great proper archive facility where it's all paper documents and it's been digitized as well. But things like, I think is it CDs are like really bad. They, like, they degrade really fast. And this is something which is coming around. They don't know what's in Sellafield because the records were so bad. So how do we make sure that what records we have now are going to be good for the future? Also just imagining, um... In the future, will we have moved away from CDs, DVDs, USB, the internet? You know, how do we keep that digitally? Hopefully, we still speak the same language, but you know, English has also evolved. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, really philosophical questions. Yeah, language is always evolving, much like nuclear waste. That's <laughs> how we tend to think of it because it was changing under its own radiation field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> But yeah, you know, we look at the, we look at the pyramids. We don't know what's buried within there. We have to read hieroglyphs. So, like, how are we going to communicate to somebody in ten thousand years when they're like digging up and like, oh, we opened this new mine where we dig out these really great resources? I don't know. Yeah, but how likely is it? So it's going to be what sort of between what I want to say is it two hundred meters or more? It's quite. It could be quite deep, couldn't it? Is it likely that people would be digging down that low to um, look for minerals if technology is evolving and we should be becoming more efficient um, at using the resources that we have? Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll just get really good at digging deeper and deeper in the future. Instead of building skyscrapers, we'll be tunneling underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I th so I think actually a comp good comparison of this is... Um, the sites which they're trying to decommission, so sites like Trice Finnis in actually in the middle of Snowdonia National Park, um, they have planned to like leave the nuclear site as it is, close the gates, walk away for 60 years so everything gets a bit safer, and then they come back and then try and clean it up. And they've actually moved away from this idea now because they've said in 60 years' time, how can we even guarantee that the skill set will still be there, that we will still have that same knowledge a few generations away? Um, and they've said, actually, we need to manage the risks between what the radioactive risk is now and actually what like just shunting that down the line in the future and kind of people not knowing how to deal with it um so yeah so i, I think the gdf maybe what happens if in a hundred years time there's a politician who decides that there's some kind of benefit to them digging things up and moving it somewhere um don't know it's just it's basically it's the uncertainty of humans being weird that we kind of really can't really plan for you can't really plan for the future though can you i guess that the best thing you can do is act properly according to the information that you have currently we don't know what kind of facilities are going to be available available to us in the future i mean we might have far better technology far better understanding of things and we might have something even better to do but we just need to do it best to the best of our knowledge i guess yeah. yeah, what I find quite interesting about this discussion is that we're talking about how weird human behaviour is and we can't predict what we'll be doing in the future. But right now, there are like hundreds of researchers around the globe that are working on understanding how the radioactive waste 
will look as it changes over time and how that will behave in the future. So we seem to be characterizing the behavior of the waste much more thoroughly than we are characterizing human behavior, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> and like one of the one of the things we're doing with that all that knowledge is uh, figuring out how to make this underground storage facility as sealed and as safe as possible and as far away from people. <laughs> we can project that so much better than we can people's motives changing <laughs> yeah so do 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 we know what kind of uh radiati- radiation levels a community could potentially be exposed to and 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 um how the waste will be managed in the future do we do we know anything about that as of just now like what the plans are um i think from from my days as a, a nuclear safety consultant um there are definitely calculations done to estimate how much radioactivity will be released from the containers that the waste will be in. And so one of the calculations that done is the sort of they take um, people that are most likely to be exposed to the waste as it's being transported is what I was working on because it's quite a while ago. And they take into account like people that hang around train stations quite a lot, which would have been me actually, because I travel on the train a lot. And I used to live right next to a train station. <laughs> Um, and the, the radiation exposure that you're talking about is is, is very low. Um, you probably get more exposure from travelling on a few transatlantic flights a year. And I think that's a fair point that being able to make those comparisons, communicating it to people who might want to come forward in the area where they might put the waste to say, OK, well, this is, you know, realistically what you are going to get. But then that becomes the challenge. There's some countries where they have kind of gone ahead and they've identified communities where um, sometimes it can be kind of accused that you're saying like, oh, the waste isn't that bad. And like, think of all these really great benefits you'll get out of hosting it here, which sounds like you're kind of trying to bargain with them. But the reality is that there will be industrial employment benefits for quite a while and do you want to put that in the same conversation as what the risk of the radioactivity is especially the radioactivity is so low but kind of reiterating that it's so low and it's really safe maybe kind of draws attention to the wrong thing it becomes kind of this like balance of how you what is the most important thing to be communicating to people and which people want to hear what part of the story the communication needs to be well managed yeah the language yeah Yeah. well managed but I think no one's really knows exactly how to do that yet (laughs) if we backtrack a bit what sort of volumes of waste would we put in a geological disposal facility I don't know what the numbers are having spouted a load of numbers like relating to tonnage um but the volume is about the same volume as Wembley Stadium oh okay which is kind of impressive to think about if you're excavating a Wembley Stadium several hundred metres underground. Oh, the, the one facility will be that size? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, the waste volumes anyway. I think the idea is there'll be like different sort of caverns holding the different types of waste undergrounds. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of that as well. And I, I think there's an idea to sort of segregate it based on how the waste is classified was kind of related to activity content. And I guess, I mean, the main reason for doing this is there are lots of really, like, long-lived radioisotopes that are sort of, like, be very radioactive for hundreds of thousands of years, and we're putting it underground so it's decayed away after that amount of time. So are we saying that we're, we're, we're putting sort of high-level waste mostly rather than low-level waste, and is that also going down in the geological disposal facility? So there's already a facility to um, dispose of uh, low-level waste. It's on the coast of West Cumbria. And I think the idea is that that will decay away relatively quickly. Um, and it's got an awful lot of criteria for what counts as waste that can be disposed of there. Um, and that's been operating for quite a long time. So the geological disposal facility is basically for the high level waste then? Yeah, yeah. The stuff that would be radioactive for a bit longer and therefore needs to wait. We need to think of like 
many generations into the future if this stuff is still radioactive? Do we still want future generations to be handling it or can we deal with it now and get it further away from human exposure? So as like Cara mentioned, um, sort of retaining skill sets and whatever else and having communities managing these wastes for decades to come. If we can avoid that, then we probably should. Hence the point of geological disposal. It's, it's an interesting conversation. We went from, well, yes, there's nuclear waste, but then there's different forms of nuclear waste. And what we actually do with all the nuclear waste is dependent on what type of radioactivity it has, essentially. So it's not just that everything that comes out of the power plant is going to be classified as nuclear waste. That could just be classified as regular waste, and that could be managed in, in a perfectly normal way. As a parting note, is, does anybody want to add something? haven't really touched on how essential nuclear power is that, you know, if we did say, okay, even if we don't use any more nuclear power, we still have waste to manage, but also are we definitely going down the nuclear power route in the future? So, you know, to secure our current energy supply, it, it seems like across the world that nuclear plays a part. So making sure we, manage that waste is essential part of the uh, planning process to make sure it's sustainable for future generations because the the type of power that nuclear plants supply is different from other low carbon energy sources so you know the way solar and wind gives out electricity is is not controllable in the same way that nuclear is and the base load that we have of just needing a certain amount all the time might not always be met by renewables without storage. And storage is quite an expensive um, avenue right now. And nuclear actually is a cheaper option because we have more experience with it. So I think that could be a, a point to add into the conversation of how essential nuclear kind of is in our immediate energy supply. That's a really good point that it's it's a it's part of the mix and it's here to say so we we should do it responsibly. I think it's a very interesting point Antonia made about it, it being cheaper because you often hear it's the way around that nuclear is really expensive and I also wonder whether there can be some extra benefit from like the waste and turning it into a product um because you often hear that some of the components in the waste could be used for other purposes um for example extracting the the americium the radioactive americium isotopes that are in there and using those to make batteries um you do occasionally hear talk about um nuclear derived batteries um, maybe we could discuss that in a, a future episode definitely uh, repurpose nuclear waste and what that may look like that could be an interesting podcast so it's not called waste anymore. Yeah. Now we're back to your circular economy. <laughs> your products. Yeah. Definitely. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and please contact us through our Twitter handle. The views expressed in this podcast belong entirely to the person that said them. They do not represent any industry or organisation. If you enjoyed listening to these views, it would really help us out if you could rate us, leave a review and tell a friend. This podcast was sponsored by no one, but if you're interested in funding us to continue to have frank discussions about science and engineering, please get in touch.